detransitioning people speak out about their experiences. The Biden administration demands more oil output from U.S. companies. And Amber Heard is back. Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. I'm your host, Zach. Before we get going, I have to share some big news for the podcast. We now have a website. That's right. It's a really simple place to find me. You can find me online at zacksfactshack.com. The great thing about this site is the ease of access for new listeners. I know you guys have been sharing the show and getting your friends and family on board, but it's not always the easiest thing to find the podcast. So now we hope that this fixes it. This new site makes that so much simpler. Simply tell them to go to zacksfactshack.com and they can find the link for their favorite podcast player, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and Anchor.fm as well. But that's not all the news we have. We now have a way for you guys to help support this show. At our website, zacksfactshack.com, we now have the ability to take donations to help me continue doing what I'm doing. The content is still free to you, but I know some people have asked about the possibility, so I wanted to make sure it was available. If you find you want to support me, by all means, go for it. I am not going to stop you. But if not, I'll still be here working hard to bring you the best content that I can. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get going on the next episode of Zach's Fact Shack. So we've all seen it. We all understand gas prices continue to rise. They continue to go up. We've gone over $5 a gallon as an average nationwide. I know the last thing I saw, the last thing I paid for gas was five ten, and I, I wanted to cry. Again, I, I've talked to you in the past. I have a little Mini Cooper, the most fuel-efficient thing you can find. It's only three cylinders, turbo-powered. Like it, it is, it, There's nothing to this car. It is very small. It's me. And myself and I are the only people who can get into this car. And I still spent nearly $60 to fill my car. That's not sustainable. And I have a car. I know my dad and my brother, they both drive trucks for their work. Um, they don't, they haven't filled up their vehicle recently because of the cost. They're having to put in as much as they can, but it's becoming mo- less and less of what can actually be like, they don't have the money to keep throwing at this. And yet here we go, here we are doing the same thing over and over again and nothing's getting better. Well, the Biden administration has been trying to fix that and they're going on an all out blitz on the, the shows on the CNN, MSNBC, Fox, everywhere they can trying to get their message out. And I wanted to play you a clip of what they're talking about and what they're doing, because here's the thing. They are demanding that U.S. oil companies produce more oil. But the problem is is that the oil companies are stuck because they had to cut production for the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020 when everything shut down and there was literally no demand. Even at one point, the gas companies were being the oil companies had to pay you to take the oil off their hands. It was so bad. There was no demand. They had nothing like they, there was no money coming in to pay their bills at all. So they cut production. Then demand started to rise again and they have slowly brought up some production, but just like every other as- aspect of our economy, they're missing workers. There are pe- the, the, the worker shortage is ridiculous right now. And they, they're not able to get that up. Then the cost of oil itself is skyrocketing because of a few things it's going on globally. But the, the, the fact that the U.S. has all but stopped oil production out of our own lands is not helping that case. And that is specifically and directly attributable to the Biden administration, where immediately when they got in, they cut leases on uh, – public land. They have done everything they can to make regulations harder and harder to work with 
four oil companies, four gasoline refineries, and they are now talking about wanting to put a tax on oil companies at, that produce too much oil. How is, how is that going to help? The, the idea behind it is that they don't want oil companies producing too much oil because then that will hurt the, the environment. So we have to have them produce less oil. But at the same time, they're telling people that you have to produce more oil. And CNN's John uh, Borman kind of gets after the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and really, really lets her have it in this question. I was kind of surprised, but he did ask her a, a rather pointed question. So listen, listen to this, this uh, exchange. Do you, five years from now, 10 years from now, are you telling me you want them drilling for more oil? You want the refineries putting out more gasoline in five or 10 years? What we're saying is today we need that supply increased. Of course, in five or 10 years, actually in, in the immediate, we are also pressing on the accelerator, if you will, to move toward clean energy so that we don't have to be under the thumb of petro dictators like Putin or at the whim of the volatility of fossil fuels. Ultimately, America will be most secure when we can rely upon our own clean domestic production of energy. Again, we're, we're, we're right back. And I'm sorry that that clip kind of cuts off because he's going to start talking in a second. But that we're back to blaming Putin, who, yes, he should not be invading Ukraine. That is wrong. But let, let's face it, Putin didn't really cause this. The gas prices were starting to climb before Putin invaded Ukraine, before Putin even signaled that he was going to invade Ukraine. The gas prices had started to go up. That just added fuel to the fire, pardon the pun, to what is going on. The issue is that America went from the number one producer of oil in the country to the back of the pack. Because we, the, the day that Biden got into office, he nixed the Keystone Pipeline, which I don't know if you know what the Keystone Pipeline was going to do. It was going to be able to ship oil to and from Canada into the southern United States where the refineries were all at. It's much cheaper to move oil through a pipeline than it is to move it through a truck. It's also exceedingly better for the environment because you know how much carbon monoxide is released into the atmosphere from the pipeline? None versus the millions of tons or whatever it is by trucks that are forced to haul the oil down. That, that, which one of those actually improves the environment? And then people talk about, well, the leaks, the leaks. They're not that common. They just aren't. They're well-maintained. And the reason that they're not common is because the oil company doesn't want to lose any of its precious cargo in that pipe. As soon as they're done building the pipes, they reseed and replant trees and grass around the pipes to grow the environment back up around it. And within a couple of years, you wouldn't even know that they had been there, save for this pipe, just this one pipe. But you look at, let's say, you know, lithium mines where they are mining the crucial parts of batteries where they're just strip mining the land and they're destroying and destroying the land, poisoning the water table in all of these countries. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You're not able to convince me yet that oil is all that bad. Not yet. Maybe you can, maybe you can. And I'm welcome to you trying. Go for it. Let me know what you think, but I just don't see that. I don't see it being that big of a deal yet. Do, am I saying that there is no climate change? No. Am I saying that man is solely responsible for it? No, I'm also not saying that either. I'm somewhere in the middle of saying that I don't think man is all that powerful. I just, I just, I don't. I think that, yes, are we influencing our environment? Yeah, we always do. We always have. We always will. Is it for good or bad? We'll have to, we have to keep watching, keep studying, keep seeing whether it is or not. Because so far, all of the dire consequences and dire um, predictions have not come true. They, they just haven't. We've been here for decades now waiting and watching, and they keep 
changing the dire predictions and they, they never take place ever. Once one of the dire predictions takes place, then I will start believing. How about that? Let, let, once we start showing that evidence, then, then I, will, I, will, I will believe that. Now, I've done get distracted. Let me get back to this clip. So where the Biden administration right now is, is that they are so desperate, they are blaming everyone else but themselves for what is going on. But they are clearly and concisely able to be pointed. We can point at them easily as the cause for this issue. And I want you to hear John, Bo- John Bowman's response to the energy secretary right here. But that's through the problem solar, for these companies. Wind, these through- companies are saying, you know, you're asking me to do more now, invest more now, when in fact, five or 10 years from now, we don't think that demand will be there. And the administration doesn't even necessarily want it to be there. So that's what he's talking about right there is that you don't want the oil companies to ex- to create this extra production yet you're demanding it but they know if they if they do it they'll just be punished in five or ten years but we can't i don't see how it's that difficult to comprehend you can't tell the oil companies that they have to produce this they have to make this this has to happen but if you do it in five years or less we will punish you for having done it where's the incentive why would they do that? People will say, well, because out of the goodness of their heart. Sorry, it's not the company's job to be kind and be, uh, work out of the goodness of their heart. That's not their job. That's not what they're supposed to do. That's not what I want them to do. I want them to make a really good product, sell it for the best price possible, and let me decide if I'm going to buy it. If I buy it, great. There has been a transaction. Both of us have earned, gotten something out of it, and we move on with life. I would prefer that we not punish companies. I, I said the same thing whenever we went after, whenever DeSantis went after Disney. I'm on the fence at best with that whole idea of punishing Disney because we didn't agree with what they said. I have a problem with that. I, I don't know that that was a good thing. It's the same thing here. You cannot tell me that the, 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 the moment the left gets the chance that they're not going to punish oil companies. They've already done it every chance they've gotten. They're only going to do it more. Why would they stop? So with the oil companies, why in the world would the oil companies change what they're doing? Why would they go through the expense and the hassle of upping production just to be told, that because you upped production, here's a tax. And also you have to pay to take down the production. That may, what? Why, why would they do that? There, there is no benefit in that scenario. So what, is, what does the administration have left? Well, now they're down to begging Saudi Arabia to produce more oil. In fact, Biden is on his way or getting ready to be on his way to Saudi Arabia to do just that. Borman also asked that question of the energy secretary. I want you to listen to what, what she says. Because here's the thing. If you're going to go to Saudi Arabia, which is not the best country in the world, we can all agree, for, especially I mean, for the left who is pushing gay rights, trans rights down our throats, Saudi Arabia kills those people, throws them off buildings, stones them to death. And yet we want to send more and more money to this, to this country instead of allowing our country to produce more oil. And I know I just got done saying that the, the oil companies aren't producing more. That's because they're being punished for doing that. If we stopped trying to punish the oil companies for doing what we wanted them to do in the first place, I guarantee you they would do it because guess what? There's a market for making more oil production. They would prefer to make more money, not less money. And people will say that with well, the record high prices, they're making record profits. True, they are. But they're making these record profits because of record inflation. The way that inflation works, and the, the, 
there's more and more money showing up in everybody's pockets. But yet there's more and more money being ripped out of your pockets, both by what you spend, by your bills, all these things. It's going right back out the door. Oil companies are looking for a percentage of what they, what it costs them to make the gas. They're looking for that percentage in pure profit. Whatever that percentage is, that, and they have it, they have it determined in their company's rules, whatever that is. And they're going to get that percentage. But guess what? One percent of one dollar is what? It's one penny. One percent of a hundred dollars is what? One dollar. Ooh, record profits. This is true. But was it also record cost? Probably. How about... That's how profits work. If the cost goes up, the price goes up, and they're still going to get the same percentage returned to them. That's more money. That's how that works. But I guarantee you, if they could if it cost them less to make the gasoline it would also cost you less to purchase it because it would be better business for them to keep you coming back and purchasing more and more gasoline going on more trips buying bigger vehicles that use more gasoline hauling your camper which uses more gasoline all of these things are absolutely in the best interest of the oil company. They want to produce more gasoline. They want to bring the price down so that you'll use their product. But yet they're being punished for attempting to do so. So since they can't do it without being punished, they aren't doing it. So now Biden is going to go to Saudi Arabia and beg that country to produce more oil and give it to us well, sell it to us at a premium so that our prices go up even more. There, it, this is not going to end well, but I want you to listen to this clip but from CNN uh, at, where Borman asks the energy secretary that question. One last question on Saudi Arabia. The president is going to Saudi Arabia where we understand he will be meeting with the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. Is there any kind of promise beforehand that the Saudis will increase production? No, no, there's no promise beforehand. He's no. There's not. And let me just say, John, I'm John, I mean, we're, we really want to see us move to clean energy, but we also need to see this increase right now. And we are asking the oil and gas companies as well to diversify and make sure that part of that they become diversified energy companies to be able to produce other means of clean energy because they have huge deep pockets. They have a big ability to invest in the future as well as investing right now so that we don't see oil and gas causing the inflation numbers and people being hurt every day. Really? So we're going to Saudi Arabia to beg and plead for oil. There's no promise that there will be oil. And the only response that they have is, well, we don't want our oil companies to be oil companies. We want them to be energy companies and to diversify and to do wind and solar and Whatever else. You know, they never mentioned nuclear. They never mentioned nuclear power. But that's beside the point. Unless your car can run on nuclear, it doesn't help you at this moment. I don't need my oil companies at this moment to diversify. If they want to, sure. If they can, if it's profitable to them, sure. Go for it. Because it means it's going to be cheaper for me. All right? I, I, I would love that. But at the moment, what I really need is for the government to get out of the way and let the oil companies produce oil and refine it into gasoline and get it into my car at a cheaper price than what I'm paying right now. That's what I need. I don't need some wonderful visionary thing of green energy. I don't need that. I'm sorry, I don't. What I desperately need is to be able to pay my bills, go to work, afford the gas to put in my car, Buy the food that I need for my groceries. That's what I need to do. And that is not happening under Biden. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. Now we're looking at a major recession happening. There's already reports of diesel shortages 
there's expectations that by August there will be massive diesel shortages. That has already begun. Truckers are finding that there is no diesel at their, at their favorite locations where they normally stop on their way with whatever they're hauling. That these locations don't have diesel. What they also don't have is oil to maintain their vehicles. Yeah. These are big truck shops like Love's, Flying J, um, TA, all of these different places. There, there, are, there are reports coming out now that there are, they, a lot of these places don't have oil to, put to, to maintain your vehicle's engine. They don't have diesel to maintain your vehicle's uh, production. Yeah, these truckers that are bringing you your food, that are bringing you your clothing, that are bringing you all the things you buy from Amazon, yet yeah, those trucks can't run without diesel. And that shortage is going to start hitting real hard whenever you go to the grocery store and it ain't just baby formula that you're running out of. Now we're running out of feminine hygiene products as well. Those reports are now coming out. In less than two years, Biden has taking, taken an incredible country and economy from the place of strength and independence and has turned it into a third world country. We have food shortages. We are having fuel shortages. We're having basic necessities. These, there's shortages of basic needs. This is the wealthiest, most powerful country in the world. And we are being brought to our knees by the incompetent boob that is our president. I'm sorry. I have. It, it is. I'm sorry. There is no two ways about it. You can't deny. You cannot deny it. That he is now the single most unpopular president recorded since the 1940s. He has the lowest approval rating and the highest disapproval rating of any president since the 40s. He's not popular because he's not good. I, I don't know what else to tell you guys. He's not good. And for the people who did vote for him, 81 million, freest and fairest election, those people, I guarantee you, are regretting it. I know that there are many people online that are saying, that they will never vote for him again. And anybody who does is a complete idiot. And I, I don't disagree with them. If you are okay with the scenario that we are in now, we, we got to talk because I need you to tell me how this is good. I, I, I have been angry for the last few minutes. So forgive me for that. I'm going to bring it back down. Let's bring it back to the middle and let's, let's think. How is this good? What, is, what good do we find in this? That's my question to you. I want to hear your response. What good is there in this scenario that Biden has brought us to? I want you to give me the, your honest opinion. I, I can't think of anything, but I am open to your interpretation. Now, on a lighter note, I don't know if it's lighter or not. It, I, I personally think it's quite sad, but I had to cover it. So I have covered in past the Johnny Hunt-Amber Heard trial where Johnny Hunt proved that he did not abuse Amber Heard and that she had defamed him by saying, claiming that he had. Well, it doesn't seem like she's learned her lesson because she's back out in the media telling the media that he did abuse her and that she did not get a fair trial and that she is just, oh, so sad and that everything's bad for her. At one point, she actually blames the jury um, and says that, well, she says, I don't blame the jury, but they just were overcome by his, just his appeal. Like, you know what? 
let's let's listen. Let's listen to a clip where she basically says that no one could not believe Johnny because he's such a good actor. So listen to this. He's a beloved character and people feel they know him. He's a fantastic actor. Their job is to not be dazzled by that. Their job is to look at the facts and the evidence. And they did not believe your testimony or your evidence. I, again, how, how could they, after listening to three and a half weeks of testimony about how I was an uncredible person, not to believe a word that came out of my mouth? So what she's saying here is, so Johnny Hunt brought his evidence first. And the reason that that is, is in our judicial system, the prosecutor, so the, and because this is not a criminal case, it's a civil case, the plaintiff, so the accusing party brings their evidence first because you can't defend against that which you don't know you're accused of. So the plaintiff, Johnny uh, Depp, he brought his evidence first. And for three weeks, they did all of their evidence, all of their uh, interviews, their conversations, the recordings, the photos, everything they had, they put out there. Then they took a week off, and for three weeks, Amber Heard did the exact same thing. She brought all of her evidence, all of her witnesses, all of the data, all of the photos, all of the videos, all of the recordings, and they did not believe her. If you, I, I watched the trial. If you sat and watched any part of this trial, you could very, very easily come to understand exactly why the jury said she was guilty. She lied about the most basic things. She lied on the stand. And when she was caught, she would change it to basically everybody else is lying but me. Everybody else is telling, the, telling a lie but me. I'm the only one who's not lying. So then she gets mad because of social media. She, she swears that the jury, who was admonished every single night, not to look online, not to look in the newspapers, not to do any outside research, to not talk to anybody about the case, to just leave it alone. These jurors who seem to respect the judge and listen to her at every turn, the judge, I have to say, was incredibly fair. I think she did a couple of things that weren't great for both sides, but she did it for both sides, right? It, she was impartial, which is all you can ask, right? You, you may disagree with some of the things she did, but she did not give anybody favoritism. She just moved on with the case and kept going. And these jurors seem to respond to that. They seem to love this judge. They just, had, they just had a respect for her and they listened to her. There's no evidence that any of the jurors broke their oath and did not listen to the judge and somehow tainted themselves. All right. I think that the jurors likely did hear things, but they tried their best to avoid them and move on. But Amber Heard says that the vitriol of the of social media just escort just they just scrutinized her and just destroyed her, and that the, the jury had no ability to be impartial at, after that. Here, here's the thing, guys. You didn't need social media to tell you that what you were watching was a complete and utter circus. And everything that she brought up, just none of it felt genuine. None of it felt real. She would say things and do things that did not make sense for a, 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 a quote-unquote victim of abuse. And I'm not sitting here telling you that I know how every victim of abuse is supposed to act or uh, respond to things, but everything she did just seemed over dramatic. Everything she did just seemed overacted. It did not have the ring of truth. And the places where she was, it would be easy to catch her in a lie, they did. To the point of there are two photos that look, I, her eyes, her eyelashes, her hair, everything, the angle of the camera is identical. Not one thing is different except for the hue and contrast of the photo. The argument had been made that she had photoshopped 
one of her photos to make it look like she was bruised where in the original photo she was not. Her claim was, oh, those were at different times under different lighting. But she just happened to have her hair, I mean, down to the little wisps. All right, girls, anybody, any of the girls listening, and, and some guys probably might even know, I'm, I don't, I'm bald. But girls listening, have you ever had the little wisps that get away from you in your hair tie? They, they don't ever sit in the same place twice, especially once you've slept. And you get back up the next day and you go to a different place and happen to have the camera in the exact same spot with your eyes in the exact same direction, open to the exact same amount with their lips and done in the exact same way. With, but the only thing that's different is the lighting. No, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. I just don't. And I don't need social media to tell me that I don't believe you. And these jurors didn't either. Now, let's listen. What does she say about this social media not being fair? Even if you think that I'm lying, you still couldn't look me in the eye and tell me that you think on social media there's been a fair representation. You cannot tell me that you think that this has been fair. Newsflash. How about, how about this? How about this, Amber? Why don't I meet you at the Atlanta airport? I will drive up there. I will meet you there, and I will look you in the eye and say this was completely fair, it was completely unbiased, and get over yourself. That's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to look you right in the eye and tell you that. Yes, I can look you in the eye and say that this is stupid, and you did not. Oh, my goodness. How, how, how do you think that we're going to believe you now when we didn't believe you in court? So this is, this is, this is where we've come to, though. This is how desperate she is to try to get a burn on Johnny Depp, who I want you to know, Johnny Depp has said he's done. He wants out. He has no interest in being around her, and he hasn't said anything. He's moved on with his life. It seems to me that she might be obsessed with him because he is moving on with his life, and she is relitigating the case in the public. And I don't know a lot about law, but I do understand that there's a possibility that what she's saying right now could get her sued again for, a, for additional defamation. Like, what are you doing? Stop. He is acting like an abuse victim that wants to move on with their life. They've got their life back. They want to move on and get away from the abuser. She looks like a jilted, uh, uh, abuser who is really mad that she's lost control of her victim. That's what she looks like. I want you to listen. This is the sick burn. She thinks she got on him. I, I, I don't understand. Listen to this. In the closing arguments, the deaf lawyer said, called your testimony, the performance of a lifetime and said you were acting. What do you say to that? Says the lawyer for the man who convinced the world he had scissors for fingers. What? Seriously, what are you talking about? I personally had never seen the movie Edward Scissorhands. Had no interest to see it, had no plan to see it. I cannot say that anymore. I have now watched the movie. I watched it uh, last night. Because I wanted to see what the heck are you talking about, woman? And I must say, I'm convinced. Johnny Depp has scissors for hands. Yes, in real life. It's not, it, it wasn't prosthetics or animatronics or anything like that. It was really real. If you watch the movie, you would understand that it was genuine and it was real and it was, it was, it was reality and it was, there's no way around that. It was absolutely the fact that he had real scissors for hands. Are you kidding me? Really? Anybody who actually thinks that he has scissors for hands, I, you need help. I'm sorry. You need help. Here we are. We're sitting here. 
just minding our business and Amber Heard keeps showing up. We can't get her off of our timeline. Although I am this close to finding a way to block her. Um, I think I'm going to go and mute the words Amber Heard and Amber Turd on Twitter. So I don't have to hear any more of it because this is ridiculous. It's quite entertaining, but it's embarrassing and sad for her. She thought this this was this amazing dig at Johnny Depp, and all it did was reveal her narcissistic stupidity. You know what? You she convinced everybody that she could breathe underwater. Big deal. I mean, I'd rather I probably believe more likely more believe that he has scissors than you can breathe underwater. It, it's just. You did not win, Amber, because you lied. That's just where we are in reality. It's just the way it is. Move on. Get a new life. Leave us alone and leave him alone. Now, for the final topic of the day, far more involved, far more, I I, I guess it's... uh, it's going to be a harder topic to cover, but in our environment right now, we are dealing with as a country, the idea of trans, not trans, whether, you know, with the new documentary out by Matt Walsh, what is a woman asking the question to, uh, to the left and saying, what is a woman and finding out that they really genuinely cannot answer the question. Well, the answer is, by the way, uh, according to the dictionary, a human, a adult hu- uh, female human. That that is a that is a woman. That is the definition according to the dictionary. It's pretty simple, pretty easy. But the left right now is pushing the trans ideology as a cultish religion, and they're saying that the only way that a effeminate boy can live his best life is to just admit that he's actually a girl trapped in a boy's body and to give him puberty blockers, to give him gender affirming surgery and to basically chemically castrate him and then mutilate his body and sterilize him because it's not reversible Though everybody says it is, it's not. In fact, I want to read a an account by a detransitioning person. Um, I, I I will say that if you have kids listening, this is probably not for them. It's probably not the episode for them to continue with. I. I have found a a lot of sympathy and a lot of understanding that I didn't have before by what I've read. And I want to read it to you and let you see what is truly happening to people who are transitioning as kids. So I'm going to begin reading. I want to tell everyone what they took from us what irreversible really means, and what that reality looks like for us. No one told me any any of what I'm going to tell you now. I have no sensation in my crotch region at all. You could stab me with a knife and I wouldn't know. The entire area is numb, like it's shell-shocked and unable to comprehend what happened even four years ago. No one told me that the base area of your penis is left. It can't be removed, meaning you're left with a literal stump inside that twitches. When you take testosterone and your libido returns, you wake up with morning wood without the tree. I wish this was a joke. And that's something that will never come back and one of the reasons why I got surgery. My sex drive died about six months on hormone replacement therapy. And at the time, I was glad to be rid of it. But now, 10 years later, I'm realizing that I'm missing out. What I'm missing out on 
in what I won't get back. Because even if I had a sex drive, my neo-vagina is, no, is so narrow and small, I wouldn't even be able to have sex if I wanted to. And I, when I do use a small dilator, I have random pockets of sensation that only seem to pick up pain rather than pleasure. Any pleasure I do get comes from the prostate that was moved forward and wrapped in glands from the penis, meaning anal sex isn't possible and can risk further damage. Then there's the dreams. I dream often that I have both sets of genitals. In the dream I'm distressed, I have both. Why both, I think? I tell myself to wake up because I know it's a dream, and I wake into a living nightmare. In those moments of amnesia, as I would wake, I would reach down to my crotch area expecting something that was there for three decades, and it's not. My heart skips a beat every single time. Then, there, then there's the act of going to the toilet. It takes me 10 minutes to empty my bladder. It's extremely slow, painful, and because it dribbles, no matter how much I relax, it will then just go all over the entire area, leaving me soaked. So after cleaning myself up, I will find moments later that my underwear is wet. No matter how much I wiped, it, it slowly drips out for the best part of an hour. I never knew at 35, I ran the risk of smelling like urine everywhere I went. Now I get to the point where my detransition and the realization that this is permanent is catching up with me. During transition, I was obsessive and deeply unwell. I cannot believe they were allowed to do this to me even after all the red flags. I wasn't even asked if I wanted to freeze my sperm or want kids. In my obsessive, deeply unwell state, they just nodded along and didn't tell me the realities of what life would be like. And finally, there's dilation, which is like some sort of demonic ceremony where you impale yourself for 20 agonizing minutes to remind you of your own stupidity. This isn't even half of it. And this isn't, this isn't regret either. This is grief and anger. F everyone who let this happen. This is a Twitter user uh, as uh, Tulip R. I do not know their real name. I don't know where they're from. All I know is that they are a detransitioned adult male. I don't understand how anyone can fight for that to be done to anyone, let alone kids. So here's the thing. With every other condition, we do not affirm their belief. So if, if a girl is anorexic, we do not affirm her belief that she is overweight because that is dangerous and it's harmful to her. We used to not affirm people who are overweight by saying, nah, you're fine, you're totally healthy, you're, you're great. Now we do. Putting people at greater risk of heart disease, heart attack, stroke. The utter lack of care for those around us is shocking to me. We talk about needing to love our neighbor by using, getting a vaccine for COVID. Whatever side you land on with, with vaccines, I don't care. But that same mentality should be applied to those who are confused about their gender identity. Because here's the thing. Reality is reality. It doesn't matter how much you want it to be something else. It is what it is. And that will not change. I don't, I don't consider it loving your neighbor when I don't consider it loving your neighbor when you are willing to allow them to harm themselves and permanently destroy their future. Also, you feel better because you affirmed them. 
would you do that to your friend who is convinced they're overweight and refuses to eat or will eat, but then throw it back up so that they don't get fat? Would, would you say that it's okay to starve that person all so they feel better in their body? No. And if you, if you did, I would, I would be very concerned about you. But yet that's what we're doing with men and women and with children. We're telling them that, yes, you are absolutely right. Your confusion is real, and we affirm that, and we love you in that. And it's not okay, guys. They are absolutely confused and should be loved. And then we should help them realize that, what, that their confusion is just that, confusion. You are not a guy in a girl's body, and you're not a girl in a guy's body. That's not how that works. I understand people want to be unique. I understand that people want to be different. I understand all of it. But what I can't understand and I can't be okay with is allowing people to harm others all so they feel better about themselves. Then you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that if a doctor, so if, so, if, if a person has a child and they have to have a C-section due to whatever complications, then the next child they have, they wanted to have a natural vaginal birth. The risk of complications is 1%. No doctor in America would ever suggest you should do a normal birth after a C-section. They will constantly try to talk the, the woman out of it. It's not safe. It's not good. It's not okay. And that's a 1% risk of complications. It means one out of every 100. The reality is that gender-affirming surgeries and gender-affirming hormones, hormone treatment, absolutely, permanently destroy your body. They, it is not good for your body. They're finding that uh, people who are taking hormone therapy will have osteoporosis. They become infertile. They are sterilized because of this. The hormone treatment that we use as puberty blockers is used as chemical castration for pedophiles. Does nobody see an issue here? Am I the only one that is seeing the abuse that's taking place all in the name of inclusivity? I'm sorry, I cannot include child abuse. I cannot include abuse of any kind. That's not, I cannot be that inclusive. Abuse is wrong, period. Anyone who says otherwise, I have serious concerns about you. I need you to understand what is actually happening whenever you make the statement that trans men are men or trans women are women. You are glorifying and helping a abusive, abusive, destructive policy. And I... I do not know what good you see in it. Because here's the thing. People will say, well, if you don't uh, start giving hormone replacement therapy to your child who is gender confused, that they will commit suicide. Well, they've done a study now that says that in, in, what they did is they compared states beginning in 2010 whenever 
puberty blockers really became a thing that beginning in 2010, they began to uh, do a study of states and of teenage suicide rates, teenage and child suicide rates in states that had easy access to puberty blockers and then in states that had difficult access or none at all to puberty blockers. And what they found is that in places where puberty blockers were easily accessed, the suicide rate was actually higher and spiked whenever the laws came in to effect that increased the access to puberty blockers. The evidence states that puberty blockers do not save your child from committing suicide. They'll often tell you, would you rather have a live daughter than a dead son? The reality is this. Those who go on to puberty blockers and have these surgeries are just as likely to commit suicide, if not more likely. Once they realize what they have done and what they can never get back, what they have lost forever that they will never get back, it sends sends them into a deep depression, into, as this person, as Tulip R. said, into a grief cycle as you realize what you have done to your body and what no one else helped you realize was going to happen. Yeah, there's the destruction of people being praised by the left, by the media, by the medical world. It's not okay. And we have to do something to stop it. We have to do it soon because the destruction is growing and it's growing quickly. Well, guys, that is the episode for today. We covered a lot of stuff, uh, learned a lot of things, had a little bit of fun, and honestly had a deep conversation. I have enjoyed this. I have loved getting to do this, and I can't wait to hear more from you guys and what you're thinking and what you're seeing. And you know what? Just go ahead. Go ahead and message me. Let me know what you're what you thought about today's episode. What you would do differently. What's your opinion? Maybe maybe I have a different opinion than you. Go ahead and let me know your opinion. Maybe we could figure out what is reality between the two of us. That's totally fine. I can't wait to see you guys next time on Zach's Fact Shack. I'm your host, Zach. We'll see you next time.